How are you guys doing tonight? It's a good night. It's a good summer night. Lots of people um, are running from God away from here, but you all decided that you wanted to be holy, and uh, so you're here. So it's good to have you here. Are you happy to be here tonight? I hope you're happy to be here. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna trade. I'm gonna use this thing. If that's okay, because it's too high. I'm not as tall as as Ed here. Um, is that okay? Is that it? Doesn't matter if it's okay. I'm gonna do it anyway. So, um, you guys good? Are you good? You happy? Yeah, good. Well, I'm happy too. I got a I uh, I got a 10 month old, almost 11 months, and she's beautiful and she's pulling herself up and sort of walking. She's been standing like this and letting go and just going like this. So that's really fun. That's a new development in our lives. Um, she's also been saying, uh, da. Um, so that's really cool too. Da and da. Um, and, um, so lots of good things happening in the Murray household. Um, like, like Brittany was saying, I'm the youth pastor here at the church. My wife and I, she's home with our daughter right now, um, because it's expensive to leave home alone. Um, if, um, so, uh, or with a babysitter. So we, we decided she would stay home. And, um, so I'm here, but it's good to be here. I, I, I get to come, uh, semi infrequently. Um, we, we have our things that we do with our youth and we're getting ready for our summer camp, which is really exciting. We, uh, that's our big thing every year. Take about 150 people to it. I'm pumped about it. Some of you in here are coming with us. Uh, any of you who want to come, let me know, uh, because it's a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't get to be here as often with you guys, but when I am, it's a real treat. And, um, I think just Ed and Brittany, I know you guys hear it all the time and people say it all the time, but they're really doing a phenomenal job. And it's cool to see the great things that are happening here week in and week out. Uh, I was here at your guys' invite night. That was so cool. I ate waffles that night and I was pumped about that. Um, and cause I don't have, I don't have that stuff at home. Were, were any of you guys like the kind of kids who, um, your mom would not buy the good junk food and you had that one friend who always had gushers and they always had Eggo waffles and they always had like lucky charms and golden grams. Did anyone have one of those friends? I was not that friend and my mom would never buy that crap. And so when I got to like, when I would go to Jesse Nordstrom's house, man, their house was always just so, it was so messy and gross and they, they could, it, it was just, they, it was chaos, but they always had the best cereal and the best snacks. And so I love coming to UDYA when there's good snacks like that. I don't know where I just got off on that, but there it is. I, I, I had six Eggo waffles and two Pop-Tarts as well, and all of them had Nutella on it. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk tonight uh, out of uh, the book of Psalms. If you want to open there, if you have your, your Bibles with you, I encourage you to make it a habit of bringing those. And um, we won't have it on the screen if you forgot. So <laughs> you're screwed if you didn't bring one. You might as well leave now because uh, it's going to be real difficult to follow along because I have a lot of intelligent thoughts. And so it's hard to follow if you don't have your own Bible with you. Um, Psalm chapter 32. Uh, I can say stuff that I want to here because I'm not allowed to say it to high schoolers. And so I might swear. 
I might talk about body parts and marriage and sex and things like that because I can. I can make jokes about it and it's cool because you guys get it and, and uh, you won't go home and tell your parents. So lots of good stuff going to happen tonight, okay? Um, here's how babies are made. So boys have, anyways, uh, Psalm 32 and verse 9 and uh, it's actually uh, a verse that we were sharing out of recently on a Wednesday night and I felt it would be applicable tonight and we're talking about stories and I'm going to share a, a portion of my story, but I'm going to weave it into this message, and then um, we'll talk about it and have some prayer at the end, and it'll be good. So Psalm chapter 32, verse 9, it says, Do not be like the horse or a mule, which have no understanding, but be controlled by bit, or must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Don't be like the horse, who's an idiot. And has to be forced to respond. I want to speak to you tonight on the subject, resist and it'll just hurt more. Resist and it will just hurt more. Let's pray and we'll ask God to uh, share something with us that will affect our lives. God, we pray tonight as we, uh, as we explore the scriptures and we talk about our stories. Help us all to see ourselves in this narrative where we understand that in the in-between times and in the places where we don't quite see the end result, we don't quite get it all, that we would know that you are still God and that you've still got a plan and that you never leave us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Um, I was, uh, and I don't know if any of you are like this, especially ladies, uh, Noelle and I, we were watching a movie recently that had animals in it, particularly horses. And Noelle is, is famous for when we're watching any kind of movie. It can be a fish. It can be a horse. It can be any kind of creature. It can be a, an inanimate object. And she can say, and she does this almost every movie we watch, that reminds me of Gibby. Gibby is our dog. He is semi-special. Um, and he, he's, he's an absolute idiot. He's just a, he's a terrible dog. He doesn't do anything right. He pees everywhere still after six years. The only good thing is he never barks. That's the only good thing. Otherwise, he's just a bad dog. He's stupid. He really is. And he's not here so I can talk about him like that because he, he would. But this might be coming out. I don't know if it's just me. Whatever. Um, so, so she's always saying this like, oh, that reminds me of Gibby. Like in, you ever seen a war movie where there's a horse? And, and it's about to get stabbed with a, with a spear or something. The horse is laying on the ground whimpering. And it, you, you can look over the fact that nine guys just got their heads chopped off. And everyone's losing limbs. And there's literal humans dying, fighting over nations and stuff like this. But you, you're more sad about the horse that just died. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's funny because... The, the thing about, like, the thing about our dog, like, I'm not a horse person. I'm allergic to horses. My eyes swell up when I'm near. My lungs swell up. I get really congested. It's bad news. And I, I can't go near them for more than about five seconds. I'm literally allergic to horses. But they say that dogs and horses are similar. And they can learn things. And they're both smart. And so I'm going to pretend that Gibby is a horse. And the, the thing about Gibby is, the worst part is he's, He's completely disobedient. Like when we were watching TV just last night again, 
Just last night, Noel and I are sitting watching the season finale of Wayward Pines. Anyone watch Wayward Pines? Anyone? That's why it's getting canceled. Well, we like it. So we're watching Wayward Pines and Noel, like, like she does every night, she taps her leg. She says, Gibby, come here. He's sitting on the ground and, and this is what he does. He can be on the ground facing this way, but you can see one eye and you can say something and without moving a single hair on his body, you see his eye turn to you. And so as if to acknowledge that he's not acknowledging you, and he says, no. He just won't come. And Noel, for, for two minutes straight, Gibby, come here. Gibby, 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 come here. Gib, Gib, Gibby, come here. Nothing. Gibby, come here. Gibby, come get a goodie. Pops up, jumps right onto her lap. Where's my goodie? Nothing. Like, no response, but then the moment that there is an incentive, he suddenly responds. And, you know, if Gibby was a good dog, like most of you probably have, you probably have good dogs. Uh, Brittany always had a good dog. Rest in peace, Martina. Um, Brittany had a dog named Martina, and uh, it was a great dog, and uh, also named Marty, named after Martina McBride, but it was a great dog. And, but we were always amazed because you could go over there and Brittany would say anything and Marty would just respond and obey. And it was such a foreign concept to us because we can't do our dog, get our dog to do crap. He will not do anything except for pee on the ground. I took him out the other night to go to the bathroom. I say, go potty. He goes, he goes pee on the grass. He steps in it, comes right in. And two minutes later, he's peeing on the carpet like you piece of you piece of crap. You're such an idiot. I hate you, but I love you because God gave you to us, but I cannot stand you. Such a stupid dog. And it's frustrating because if he was a good dog like Marty, he would respond because I'm his master. I have provided a roof over his head. I give him comfort. I take him on walks at least twice a month. And I'm a good master. And so he would say, Taylor, you're my master. You're my dad. I trust you. You've provided for me. And so even if you're not giving me a goodie right now, I still love you. So I'm going to say yes and obey. And I think the funny thing is with our lives, oftentimes when it comes to us living out our story, walking this journey of life and following Jesus, a lot of times what ends up happening is God is inviting us to something. And because we're comfortable where we're at or because we don't know what's ahead, we instead of responding with the disposition of knowing that God is good, we sit thinking, I'm not quite sure about this. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't see anything in your hands right now that is immediate proof that I'm going to get what I need and that you're going to do what you said you're going to do. And so it's as if we're telling God, I'm not sure, God, if I can trust you. When God could say, look all along, I've been faithful to you. I've provided for you. I've gotten you here and I'm going to get you where you need to go. And though this does not look exactly like it's looked in the past, I've got you covered. But instead... We think, well, maybe this time God's not going to come through for me like he used to come through for me. So I'm not quite sure I can respond just now unless he shows me an immediate proof. 
and, and, and like something real physical, tangible that I can get right now that he's going to come through for me. And so instead of responding, we ignore just like my idiot dog, Gibby. But here's what God wants you to know. God wants you to know that as cliche as it is, he has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. He has good things in store for you. And though you can't see it right now, if you'll stay faithful, you'll obey, you'll respond right now. On the other end of your obedience, you will see the result that you already knew was going to come because God is a good God. But instead, we, we're like the Israelites, right? Who we wander through the wilderness thinking that, well, God took us out to the wilderness. No, God took us into the wilderness to bring us through the wilderness to get on the other side of the wilderness, which is where the promised land is. There was no possible way for the Israelites to go through the wilderness or to not go through the wilderness. A lot of people say, well, if they would have just obeyed God, they wouldn't have to walk through the wilderness. No, they would have. It would just have been shorter. It should have taken them two years, probably, realistically, about a million to two million human beings migrating from one place to an entire new region, it was going to take them a long time. There was a journey. There was going to be some pain. There was going to be some deaths. There was going to be some sickness, some difficulties, some unknowns. But all along, God was saying, though I'm not bringing you there just yet, you're going to get there if you keep obeying. But if you don't obey, you'll fail to see that I've got a plan and you're going to sit in your wilderness wondering why I brought you here thinking, man, God's not been faithful to me. When in reality, his, his pain, your pain in this situation is actually his provision for you. And so we, we're in the wilderness. We don't really know what, uh, what's on the other end of it. And so we, just like my dog, we don't see the immediate result, so we're not willing to obey. It's like the other day, again, with my dog, going to my parents' house. <clears throat> we're on the way, and we put Gibby in the back seat with my daughter, and we start driving to my parents' house. And the entire time, he's whining as if he thinks we're about to go and drop him off in the woods and leave him. The entire time, he's running in circles in our back seat. He's climbing and clawing all over my daughter. He's freaking out, scratching the windows. He's going nuts, absolute nuts, as if this time around, unlike any of the other hundreds of times we put him in the car and brought him somewhere where it is the happiest place on earth for him, which is where there's dozens of people and food. Like, that is heaven for Gibby, which is where we were on our way to. But it's as if he thinks his master is about to, this time, no, 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 he's not going to come through for me this time. You know that in the Hebrew, that word, no understanding, if, if we were to put it in plain English, what it would say is, don't be like the horse, who though there is something ahead, he's just so ignorant as to not be able to see it. He just can't see it. Now, here's the thing with God's plan. Though you can't see it, what you should be able to see is the fact that God is with you, riding you as if you're the horse, and he's the one leading you. And though you can't see the end, you have a disposition knowing that this master on my back, he knows what he's doing. So instead of resisting, I'm going to respond, knowing that God's faithful. A little bit of my story. 
Um, grew up in this church, 13 years old. My dad was a youth pastor my whole life. Came to me in seventh grade, middle of my seventh grade year, says, Taylor, we're going to start a church in Maple Valley. I'm like, I've never heard of Maple Valley. Is it in Canada? And so I'd never heard of it. At the time, Maple Valley was about 7,500 people. And the year before, it had just been incorporated as an actual city. Before that, it was unincorporated King County, middle of nowhere, never heard of it. And I grew up at a big church, great church. Christian school, knew everybody. My dad was the youth pastor, and I'm brand new in youth group, so I'm loving my life, and my dad says, I'm going to rip you out of this, I'm going to screw your life over, and I'm going to make it miserable until you graduate. No, he didn't say that. He said, we're going to start a church. We believe this is what God, God has called us to do. Are you okay with that? I said, okay, yeah, yeah. And so, takes us, we start church in 1998, Tahoma Junior High, called Real Life Church. I was the youth group. My youth, my first year of youth group was either me or me and Jesse Hurlitz, who none of you know, downstairs in my basement with our youth pastor playing Nintendo 64. That was it. That was youth group for the first year of our church. I grew from one to two to four to eight to 12 to 20. When I was about 16 years old, a youth group rat, I met Noelle for the first time. I was almost, I was about 15, maybe almost 16 and she was a couple years younger than me, still is. Uh, anyways, I hope that didn't blow your mind. Um, we met. She saw me. She, her eyes w- w- went real wide. She said, wow, this is the guy for me. And I said, yeah, but you're going to have to chase me down because no, I didn't do that, actually. I ended up having to follow her for a couple years because she hated me, and so did all of her friends, too. But that's another story for another day, isn't it? So we, we're friends, and we're hanging out, and life's great, youth group all that kind of stuff. Never really had a vision for my life though. So coming into my senior year, all I knew was I like church. I like youth group. I like rollerblading and I like Volkswagens. I didn't have any vision. I didn't know where I wanted to go. Didn't know what I wanted to do. I was the most indecisive person. Whether you're asking me what I want to do with my life or where I want to go to lunch, I couldn't answer you because I was so, I was so unsure of myself. And so, but all I knew is I like people And I think I'm decent at connecting with younger guys and helping them through struggles that maybe I've struggled with myself. So I knew that. So I graduate, spent a couple years at Green River, failed half my classes, spent a lot of money at Red Robin and Starbucks and on Noel. So spent that couple years, kind of this, um, this weird time. But through that time, God was really revealing in me that there was something about what I enjoyed doing. And he said, this is, this is kind of what I've called you to. And so I'm starting to feel that. I decide two years out of high school to go to Portland Bible College. And simultaneously, at the same time, without me even knowing it, Noelle decides she's going to Portland Bible College, but we're separate. And when we go there, she's like the girl who this guy used to date, who stay away from him because he's a creep, because he still likes me. So that was my first year of Bible College. But in that season, I, I, I still liked her. I was starting to feel, okay, I feel like youth ministry is something that I really want to do. God was really solidifying it. I was being to serve and do a lot of stuff, and it was great, and I was loving it. And, and as the years went on, after the first year, we started dating again. Second year, we got engaged. Third year, we got married. I was a dorm leader. And that last year, I was really beginning to feel, okay, God's really solidifying and cementing in my heart that I feel like this is more than just something I enjoy doing, but this is really a passion of mine. This is really something I believe that God has put in my heart. And I need to follow that. I need to submit to that 
call. And so I start thinking, okay, do I stay here in Portland? Uh, do I hope for an opportunity here? There's maybe some, you, some promises. Uh, and then my youth pastor says, I'm planting a church in Australia. You should come with me. And uh, it's brand new. You can help start the youth. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. And so I'm really struggling. But in that season, Noel and I really were talking. We're like, you know what? As great as these other opportunities are, we really feel like we're supposed to go home. So I move home. Noel and I move home. We move into my parents' house. We've been married for a year. Move into the upstairs of my parents' house, which if you get married, this is a great opportunity. Move in with your parents and, and uh, yeah, and if you want your marriage to end, go for it and stay there for a long time. So we, uh, I'm kidding, but seriously, uh, don't do it. So we move in with my parents, live upstairs. Every other night we'd hear from downstairs. My mom would say, Taylor, Noel, what are you guys doing? Come down and chat with us. Have some coffee with us. I'm like, Mom, I want to kill you. And then I'm going to kill myself. And sorry, that was, but seriously, I hated it. And, and all the while, I'm working, I'm working nights. Noel's working days, right? Noel's working days. I'm working nights at the Salish Lodge, and I'm working full time. We're working opposite schedules. Monday, she's up before I'm out, or she's out at work before I'm even awake. I, go, I wake up, sleep in a little bit, go off to work at about 2.30. She comes back home at 5, so we don't see each other Mondays. I get off at 11.30, get home at midnight. She's already asleep. We repeat Tuesdays. Wednesdays, I'm off, get ready for youth because I'm volunteering in the youth ministry. And so I'm getting ready, meeting with people, getting ready for my message. All the while, Noelle's at work. She comes straight from work, comes to the church. We practice because I'm the only drummer in our church and the only drummer in our youth ministry. And I'm the one preaching. So she gets there. We do sound check. We do youth group. I play drums, get really sweaty, transition out of worship. We do a two-minute meet and greet. Brittany remembers this. I run to the back during the meet and greet in the bathroom, wipe off all my sweat, often change my shirt, spray some new hairspray because my, I look really sweaty, and then I go and preach, and then I do an altar call, and I jump behind the drums again, finish, and then it's done. I go to sleep. I'm massively tired. Next day, I wake up. Noel's at work. I meet with people, do youth stuff. Five o'clock comes around. She comes home. We go straight to worship practice because I was the only drummer. She was the worship leader. We get home. We watch our one episode of Fringe together. We go to sleep. She gets up, goes to work. I go off to work at about 3 o'clock, get off about 1 a.m. She's already asleep when I get home. Saturdays, we sleep in together, have about two hours of time together before I go off to work yet again, get off at 1 a.m., come home, get up at 6 a.m. to get ready to set up church because we were in a mobile location at Kent Lake High School where I was the only freaking drummer. So I had to set up the drums, play drums, teach junior high, go do altar call, play drums at the end, tear down the drums, go home, eat lunch real quick, which I hated. And then I'd go straight off to work again, get off, get home. Noel's already gone. And then we repeat. And it was this season of hell. No joke. Not only were we busy, but we're newly married. We don't get to spend any time together. I'm hating my life and I'm regretting the decision that I made to come home because I felt God was calling me to come home to my home church and serve and be faithful there. And suddenly I'm faced with this, God, were you really, were you really calling me back here or was I missing something? I mean, on a weekly basis, I'd get home. And Noel's watching The Nanny on Nick at Night, which is a great show, reruns a lot, great show. And they, she's got a box of tissues and a bunch of wet tissues on her other side. And she's been crying because she hates her life so much because we never saw each other. 
It was, it was terrible. And we'd have conversations oftentimes where she'd be up. I'd come home from work. She's sitting on the couch and, and, and I sit down. What's wrong? She's like, we need to go back to Portland. I can't do this. And we were constantly having the question of, do we just need to leave our church? Do we need to go back to Portland? Do we need to do something else? Because this isn't working. And on a weekly, sometimes biweekly basis, we're having the same conversation. But in this weird, paradoxical way, every time we'd have the conversation, it would end with, God's called us here. We need to be faithful with what he has led us to do. I even remember this one time, one of our elders and deacons, they sat us down at Black Diamond Bakery. We'd been home for about nine months, been serving faithfully. Youth ministry is doing great. And, and we're thinking on our way, we're happy. We go get Starbucks. We're like, they're going to tell us we're going on staff. And I was stoked. So we sit down and they, they, they start, hey, Taylor and Noel, you're doing a great job. And so the reason we gathered you here today is to tell you that the church has no money and... Um, but you guys are doing a great job. So if in a couple years things change, there might be a chance that someday you guys might get a stipend for this. But don't ever count on this being your job. You just need to rule that out now. It's probably never going to happen. And my heart sank. We're sitting there in Black Diamond Bakery. And I'm like swearing at God. I'm so pissed. I'm ticked off. I'm frustrated. Because it's like, God, why on earth did you call us to go back here? I thought I was called. I know you didn't design for me to live this marriage this way. I can't even give my wife what she needs, the time, the energy, the emotion. I can't do any of it. I'm lonely. People say, hey, why don't you go home and hang out with friends? I literally don't have a freaking second nor a freaking friend here because it's freaking Maple Valley. And there were no young people. Just venting to you right now. It's been a while, okay? And I remember we sat in Noel's car. And as we're driving, as we're about to pull out, we both felt in the moment the Holy Spirit spoke to us. I've still called you here. Receive my peace. Stay faithful. Four months later, we sit down with Brittany's dad at Red Robin. He says, good news. Things have changed. You guys are coming on staff next week. It's funny because... We had had so many conversations that said, let's go back to Portland. There's more opportunity there. There's more things there. There's more jobs. There's more money. There's more friends. But all the while, we knew deep down that God, even though we were in the in-between, was with us. And he didn't call us to leave us hanging. He called us and said, I'm going to be faithful. And though it does not look the way that you would want it to look, I've got you covered. See, what God told the people through the prophet Jeremiah when, the, when they were in exile, the Babylonians had taken them out, King Nebuchadnezzar, brutal, brutal. I mean, what we're seeing in the Middle East pales in comparison to what was happening in this day. Literally, everything wiped out. Everyone's gone. They're in a city that they don't know. It is disastrous. And here's what God says to them. This is bizarre. God says, you guys are going to be here for 70 years. But I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You ever heard that, song, that verse? Jeremiah 29, 11, The one that, you know, girls post on their Instagrams with the nice font and stuff. For I know the bold, bold caps plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Give you a hope and future. You know what I mean? It's like, that's great. 
But God was actually saying, you guys are going to suffer for a long time and your life's going to suck. But at the end of the day, I've still got you and ahead of you, not right now, but ahead of you, there's something better. I feel like God was putting this on my heart to just share with you tonight that maybe you're in the in-between and God is not calling you to question what he's called you to. He's actually calling you to dig your roots and say, I'm going to stay faithful even when I don't see the fruit, even when I don't see the incentive, even when I don't know how it's going to turn out. I know that God has got me, and if he called me, he's going to sustain me. He's going to get me through this. He's going to be faithful because he always has been. And though it does not look like I would want it to look, I have a disposition in my heart that says, I trust God no matter what, and he's going to be with me always. So just like the horse. And I'm going to end in just a second. Maybe, Brittany, if you want to come up. Just like the horse. It says, don't be like the horse who needs the master. I'm not a horse guy. Again, I'm allergic. I hate horses, okay? Um, sorry for you horse people. But it's the bit and the bridle, I'm not going to explain it well, but what it goes in the mouth and all, of, all the master ha- or the rider, what do you call it, cowboy, has to do is, is give it a little tug and it's just a little tug, but it is massively painful to the horse and it has two options. One, it can submit and go the way that the master is calling it to go. Or two, it can be like what Hayden, my daughter, does. Is when you have her on your lap, she goes like this, arches her back, stiffens her neck, and you can't hold her on your lap. You've got, you, it's like we were doing this just today down in my office. I'm trying to flip her up, sit her on my lap, and she just goes, Ugh. and I spin her around, throw her up, sit her on my other knee, Ugh. and just, she's resisting to say dad i don't trust you you're gonna drop me which is a valid concern because i'm a little crazy as a dad i'm still figuring it out but the horse can respond or it can resist so when you have an untamed horse or a horse that is not well connected with the rider the horse might not trust the person riding on its back. So instead of following where the master tells it to go, it lifts its neck up as if to relieve the pressure of what the master is asking it to do. Sometimes what we do is instead of responding to God, we go to other vices and other things, other relationships, other negative things in our world as if to relieve the pressure. And really, God is putting pressure on us not to remind us of how bad we are, but to say, I'm actually trying to speak to you because you're going this way but I got something much much better for you over here and if you'll just respond and get through the pain and the awkwardness and having to make some decisions if you'll be willing to obey you will see that I've always been faithful and I will always be faithful God wants you to know tonight that he's not asking you to do something that he's not ready to sustain you through and help you to do Knowing that there's something better on the other end. God's got you. And I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit. I swore at God. I was pissed at my parents. Some of you know, I mean, my dad's my pastor. So it's like, thanks, mom and dad. They charged me rent to live at their house. Just like the extra, like, here, here's the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Charge me rent. I love my parents. If 
but it's just like there were so many times I was I was mad at everyone. I resented everybody I came in contact as if it was partly their fault for why I was in misery. And God was constantly saying, hey, you're going to need what I'm bringing you through right now. And I can't tell you how many youth pastors and youth leaders that I've been able to encourage because of the journey that God brought me through that I would not have any insight on had I not been through that season, that though it was difficult, now I can look back and say, God was faithful. So I know now when I go through another season or I have another trial or another sickness or another relationship that's broken or family drama or issue, whatever it might be, I can know, I can look back and say, God was faithful then. And though it looks different this time, God's gonna be faithful now. I might as well, instead of resisting, respond Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe there's some of you in here who, and I I apologize if I talk long, but some of you in here would say, you know what? I find myself in the midst of an in-between season. Relationship. uh, Maybe it's a family thing. It's a work thing. It's, you don't know what your career is going to be. And, You just find yourself without vision. And you look at your life and and maybe you are even in the past where when you started this journey with God or you started this season, you looked at it with such faith and vision, but where you find yourself now, it's like, where did I take the wrong turn? God, did you forget about me? God, where are we going? I don't see it and I'm just, it's, It's not making sense. And God is not trying to say, hey, you did something wrong tomorrow. If you do this and this and this tomorrow, you'll see the result. No, he's trying to say, hey, it may not get better right now, but if you stay faithful, if you cling to me, if you hold on to the hope that I've given you, if you don't forget the vision, if you stay faithful, you keep going at it. You keep your eyes on me. I know it's not going to be easy, but I've still got a plan. And just like the people of Israel needed to be reminded by the prophet Jeremiah, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You find yourself in the in-between. Career, life, God, relationships, family, your own heart, addictions, things, whatever might be going on. All I want you to do, if, if you would, would you just put your hand on your heart? Our eyes are closed, and this is a moment where maybe you can say, God, I'm recommitting to the commitment that you had me make, and I'm just re-solidifying it, like, like Taylor when he was in Black Diamond Bakery, in the car, just it was a reminder, you're going to give me peace, and I know it, and so I, I'm not going to give up, God, I need your strength, but I'm, I'm recommitting. Just keep your hand on your heart, and I'm going to pray for you, Then we're going to worship as if to seal this. God, I pray for every person whose, whose life, whose heart, whose future, whose plan, whose struggle is represented here. God, I know that, God, when you call us, you sustain us. And though it looks different than we thought, we know that you're faithful. You're faithful even to the end of the age. God, let us be people who, wherever we go, then when it gets that when it gets too difficult to stand, when it gets too difficult to stay strong, that we would look up and see that 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 
that you saw the joy that was set before you, and so you endured the cross. And God, we're considering you who endured opposition so that we might not grow weary or lose heart. God, and some of us have lost heart. We pray that you give us peace and hope. God, if any person in here feels like a failure, God, I thank you that just like Pastor Ed says all the time, failure is not fatal. It's just part of our story. It's part of your faithfulness where you're saying, hey, if I can take David, if I can take Peter, if I can take all of these idiots in the Bible and bring myself glory through them, then I can use your story. I can use your mess and I can turn it into an amazing message where my glory is even expanded more. God, I pray that every person in here would know that the best is yet to come. And when we cling to you, God, we will see you be ever faithful. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, hey, would you stand with me? And if you're, if you're okay with it, would you lift your hands with me? And I know sometimes it's awkward, but we're going to sing that song, Oceans. And I think it's fitting for this environment, especially this message where we're talking about maybe it's the in-between. Maybe God is calling us out. We've, we've, we're like the horse where we've sat saying, no, I don't want to go. I just want to sit here. And God is saying, I've called you out to uncomfortable. I've called you out to faith. I've called you out to difficult, but I promise you it's going to be worth it. Can we lift our hands and sing this together as if to declare, God, I'm trusting you yet again. And I know that you're going to be faithful because you've been faithful. Though I don't see it, still, I will trust you and I will praise you. Sing this together. Sing, you call me out. You call me out upon the waters. You create unknown. My feet may fail, and there I find. And there I find you in the distance. The oceans deep. Faith will stand. Sovereign hand. 
person uh, who's in a, uh, they got a relationship decision, a career decision, a school decision, a life decision. They got big things ahead, good and some difficult. But I, God, I pray that even as your word says that though we make our plans, it is you who directs our steps. God, it is you who guides us. Let us not be the people who 
need you to force us to come, but God, instead, we'd be the people who, when you lead, we respond knowing that you're a good father. You are a good God who has plans in store for us, not for death, not for destruction, but for hope and prosperity and future. We believe that and we cling to your promise, knowing that you fulfill every promise that you make. In Jesus' name, would you guide us? And everyone said, come on, everyone said, amen. Hey, thank you guys for letting me be here tonight.